0: Hi guys, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Um, so this podcast is as random as random gets. Uh, I'm sitting here kind of looking at a sermon for uh, for Sunday, and as I'm sitting here looking at this, I'm kind of, you know, I have a movie on uh, in the background for background noise, and I'm, I'm reading this book. And uh, this book is entitled uh, Assertiveness, How to Be Strong in Every Situation. And I'm reading through, you know, kind of for my own personal development here. And as I'm reading through this, there's some uh, great things in here. And as I'm sitting here reading it in my room, I'm just like, man, I, this is too good to just be by myself. Like somebody else has got to hear it right? So that's what I'm going to do real quick. We're just going to go through this. And again, th- this is not going to be you know, organized or, you know, like normal, like a normal podcast would. But again, I'm just kind of having this conversation with you. So there's a chapter in the book that talks about in order to be assertive, um, you need to get rid of faulty thinking. You need to get rid of faulty thinking. And so a lot of times, and myself included, 100%, we can get into this uh almost defeating mindset about everything. I mean, just everything It's always, it's always bad. You know, everything is, you know, maybe not where you want it to be, but you don't see anything. You mean, you can't picture anything past what you see, right? So it's easy to get into this faulty thing in mindset, 100%. But I want to just kind of go through these. And if you're just happen to just be taking notes on this, uh, there's seven of these. So there's seven uh faulty thinking ways that we find ourselves in, but then there's five ways to kind of counteract these seven, okay? So when I think about thinking, you never really <laughs> no pun intended, but you never really think about how much the word think shows up in scripture. You know, the way that we think, the way that we um the way that we um kind of handle our own minds, it matters it matters the way that you think, you know, you know, you think about what Naaman said, right? Naaman, um, you know, he said, well, behold, I thought, you know, I thought things were going to be different than this. I thought things were going to be more extravagant than this. Right. And he didn't obey the command of God at first because it wasn't the way that he thought it should be. Right. Or, or you think about, um, you think about so many other other examples of you know thinking the wrong way, and, and as we even with with uh, with proverbs, I believe as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right, and so all these these things about thinking. There's more examples that we can go to, but I want you to notice these seven faulty ways of thinking, and I really had to check myself on these, and um, hopefully you can check yourselves on these two so we can get better. So here's the first one. Number 1. You know that you have faulty thinking when you have a pessimistic prediction of the future. Something that something that you're in, something that you're about to get in, something that uh you know whatever it is. You you always have kind of this pessimistic vibe about things. It, it it's almost kind of like you expect the worst to happen. You expect someone not to deliver. You expect your job not to deliver. You expect people not to deliver. You expect your money. You, you always have this mindset. You might not say it out loud to people, but when things go right, you're like surprised because you, you expected it to go wrong. So we kind of have this pessimistic prediction of the future, and so the book mentions that these type of people, they're only interested in themselves and no one will be interested in what I have to say, right? So we have the, we can't have this pessimistic view of the future. Now, obviously we don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm reminded of uh, even what the book of James tells us, right? You know, before you make plans, we'll say, well, if the Lord wills, We'll go buy and we'll go sell and we'll go get gain. And so we don't know, we don't know, you know, the things about the future, but we do know that the Lord is there. So if he's there, well, if the Lord wills, this is going to work. If the Lord's will, if, if I put in the work, this is going to work. If the Lord's will, if we work together, this is going to work. And so we can't have a, a pessimistic prediction about the future. Okay. Then here's number two. Number two is absolute thinking. Okay. Absolute thinking. This is what this means. And this is the example that the book gives. So when we have absolute thinking, this this is what we'll think too. So along with our pessimistic attitude about things, then absolute thinking says, and again, this is the book's example. Well, you've let me down before So I can't rely on you again because you let me down and you let me down the same way. So I can't, I can't rely on you. Here's, it's just amazing as you look at this, how often I find myself even in this. But think about, think about Jesus, right? In Luke 22, even when he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times, when Jesus rose from the dead, Who did he tell everyone else to go get? He said, tell the disciples that I'm back. But he also said, go tell Peter too. What if Jesus would have had absolute thinking like we have? Well, you let me down one time, so you didn't do this. Well, well, I can't rely on you. Absolute thinking. And, And this, along with a pessimistic prediction of the future, no one, nothing, no job, no money, no whatever, nothing's ever going to be up to par for you. Nothing ever will. Because you you expect the person, you expect the job, you expect whatever it is, you expect it to fail. But here's the, uh, the best word I can bring up right now is catch-22. But the weird thing about that is you're always right. So think about the prideful attitude that is about us. So if we go around, if we go around always having a pessimistic attitude, always having absolute thinking, and then people let us down like we thought they would, people, uh, the the future isn't good like we thought it would be. We're always right, and so that puts you in a situation where almost nothing will ever be good enough for you. So this is why we got to be careful about this type of thinking, because this type of thinking is, is almost kind of, it's almost isolating. You know what I mean? So we got to be extremely careful. And notice the thing about Christ, Christ was never pessimistic about the future. Christ knew he would die. But Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. Christ didn't have absolute thinking. Christ had positive thinking. Yeah, I know Peter let me down multiple times. I know, I know that when, um, when he walked on water, he fell. I know that he said he would never deny me. I know he did all these things, but guess what? I still want him a part of the kingdom and a part of what the kingdom's about. Even after Jesus left, when when Peter has problems not, not being with the Gentiles, he never quit on him. We got to stop doing this with people, man. We got to stop having absolute thinking. Well, you got one shot. You know, you let me down this one time. It's a wrap. We, we got to stop, man. We really got to stop doing that. Then then number three, here's the third characteristic of faulty thinking. Exaggerating. So again, this is just this is a snowball that just keeps bump by just keep piling now. OK, so you got the pessimistic attitude then you've got absolute thinking. Then number three, you exaggerate all the time. What does that mean? These are now again what I'm saying here. These are the book's examples, not mine. Okay, here's what the book says about that everybody says that everything that could possibly go wrong, it will go wrong. And I know that everybody agrees with me. So, again, this mindset of exaggeration, where you, you again, you believe that everything is meant to go wrong for you. And it's almost like you put yourself in this in this box where you're the only one that's cursed, right? And again, am I saying that it's not easy to get into that position? Absolutely, it's easy to get in that position, especially when you see what you see in front of you, right? You see the facts, right? So maybe nothing is literally working out. That's, that, that is what it is. But even if things are that way, it doesn't mean that we still can't be somewhat... And I know it takes time. It's not like when something happens, well, things are going to get better. No, you need to feel certain things, right? Right? You need to feel disappointed. You need to feel hurt. You know, you need to feel those things. But obviously, when you over-exaggerate, then that hurts your thinking. It, It goes into a negative thought process. Then number four. Here's the fourth faulty way of thinking. Assumptions. This is insane. This is ridiculous. Assumptions... Just in my experience with people, um, assumptions kill, how do I say this? Um, What assumptions will do, assumptions will kill a potentially great thing. I'll say it that way. Assumptions will kill a potentially great thing. Well, Well, what do I mean by that? When you, when you assume, the word assume basically is gathering the facts without the facts. So, again, so think about this. If you already are pessimistic about your future, if you already have absolute thinking, if you already exaggerate, then it's going to be easy for you to assume And then number two, it's going to be easy for you to listen to somebody else's assumptions about things. And so when we think about this, I mean, this is just, we do this all the time, all the time. It is 100% easy to listen to assumptions, right? Just from from personal experience, right? As a a preacher of the gospel, you know, you have... um, You have what the word of God says, right? The word of God says, Matthew chapter 28, right? Verses 18 through 20, right? That we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? So we're to go, but we're to be trained so that we can go and teach people, right? So then when you preach on that subject, the ones that always complain about that, they assume the worst, well, this is going to be too hard. They, they assume the worst without doing the work. So they've already, because they're pessimistic because I can't evangelize, I can't teach. They're also pessimistic because they have absolute thinking. Well, I tried before, but every time I actually tried to evangelize, I got turned down. Then they exaggerate. Well, everybody always turns me down. So then you hear a sermon on evangelism. Well, I'm not going to do it. You assume. So then guess what you're not, gonna, then you won't do it. That's just, I mean, that's one of a trillion examples you can use. But even with each other, even with people, I mean, the assumptions are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. And here's here's the dumb part about assumptions that just gets me... I can't, it just, it annoys me to the... It's just annoying. Okay, I'll just say it that way. It's, It's annoying. So so many times in the church and, and even outside of the church this is what happen, happens with assumptions so you've got you've got three people and let's say four to make it safe you got four people right actually let's make it let's make it six to make it a little bit bigger you got six people right so you got one person and they're they're a good person Right? They try to do their best. They they live their Christian life the best way that they can. So this one person, right, obviously lives this way. But the other five, right? So the other five, what they do, they get to know this one person and they say, hey man, this is a this is a pretty good person right here. But then this is what happens. Then one person out of the five doesn't like the original one for some reason. For some reason, they don't like them. So then this is what happens. So then number six, the person that doesn't like number one, then they'll get the other four not to like the number one. Man, I can't believe. I mean, I just don't think this person's that great of a person. I don't think I mean, based off of this is just what I know about the person. This is what I've heard about the person. This is what I've seen about the person. This is what I feel about the person. So then you convince the other five, you convince the other four to not like number one because of somebody else's assumptions and feelings. It's messed up. That's why I say assumptions kill stuff. It kills the potential of something that can be great. Hold up. All six of us could have been close, but because of one person's reservation, because they don't like person number one, now you're going to convince four other people not to like this person? All right, cool. That's how it is. It's happened to me. It's happened. To other, I mean, it, it happens. It happened to my family. It happens to my family. I mean, it's just, it's dumb. I mean, to, to, to call a spade a spade, it's it's not, why do we do stuff like that? Because we're pessimistic because we have absolute thinking, because we exaggerate, and then we assume. Why is it so hard? If you have concerns about somebody, why is it so hard just to sit down and have a conversation? Why is that so hard? I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking. Why is that so hard? Well, my best friend says, well, all these people say, well, they think, well, the people I've known for a long time—this is what they think about you. Why don't you just talk? Why can't why can't we just sit down and have a conversation? Why is that so hard? Because little do we know, we're the ones that had the negative thoughts in the in the first place. We just needed somebody to gas us up. And quite frankly, guys, this is sin. If you have a problem. If you have a concern, if you have an issue, why am I going to sit, if I had an issue with you, why am I going to sit with 10 other people who, who halfway know you to, to get the 100% information on you? Come on, man. I mean, this is, we have to get out of this faulty thinking because this kills, it literally kills the potential for great things to happen it kills unity it kills it kills potential it kills greatness because somebody had personal feelings and they were too afraid to go sit and talk and say hey what's up that's what it is man and again and i can i say that i'm guilty of this absolutely but this is why when you when you don't do dumb stuff like this anymore you realize how dumb it is. Pessimistic attitude, absolute thinking, exaggeration, assumptions. What's the next one? This is giant right here. Here's the next one. Mind reading. You know, sometimes when you, when you sit kind of in a room with people or, you know, you sit in a certain place or maybe even in worship and you see a group of people over there, and they're laughing, and they're, they're somewhat kind of staring in your direction, you automatically think the worst, man, I guess they're laughing at me. I guess they're talking about what I'm doing. I guess I'm, they're thinking about what I'm doing. I guess they're asking what I'm, it's so easy, because we mind read. The book says this, well, when they stare at me, I know that they're thinking about me. I don't know what they're talking about. So I mean, I feel like I got to know. This is what so many people are good at. So-and-so didn't talk to me today. So-and-so didn't do this for me today. Well, I'm going to mind read and I'm going to come to an absolute assumption that they just don't want to be around me anymore. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe something's happening in their life personally. Maybe they just need some space. Why not just think the best, 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Oh, but it's so much easier to mind read this is what I think, and then we go tell other people, well, so and so was kind of standoffish today. So and so didn't <laughs> oh man, I just it kills I'm telling you, all this stuff rolled up in one ball, it it kills greatness. It kills potential. It kills it. We can't we can't sit here and mind read. And even uh, you know, even the scripture, I believe it's in Jeremiah where it mentions that only God knows the heart. And so if you want to know something out of a man, how are you going to sit here and assume what I'm thinking? How do you know what I think? How do I know what you think? I'm not going to know until I ask you. We got to stop doing this, man. Then number 6. What's the what's the what's another faulty way of thinking? An unbalanced view. An unbalanced view. This is what the book says for the example. Well, the last time that I spoke, I got everything back to the front. So I'm not sure they really understood the last time. So, I mean, why even try? See, the unbalanced view is the I've tried it one time view. So if it didn't work one time, it's not going to work again view. Why do you think the churches have stopped evangelizing? Well, we do not, but... Well when we door knocked, nobody. There was no, um, you know, there there was no response. So we're just not going to do it again because we tried it once. See, that's what we have. We have this unbalanced view about life and people. You try one thing once. Oh well, I knew because remember, you you already got absolute thinking. You already exaggerate. You already have a pessimistic view about life. So again, all of these things. And the book goes into this, but all of these things, what this really is, it's a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism because at the end of the day, when you're pessimistic, when you have absolute thinking, when you exaggerate, when you have assumptions, when you mind read, and when you have an unbalanced view, everybody else is wrong. And you're the one that always comes off scot-free. All of this is a defense mechanism. Because you've set this up and I've set this up in my mind. I'm always right. So-and-so is always wrong. I always made the right choice. I always did the the right thing. Everybody else else is wrong. It's not me. We can't have an unbalanced view. You know, I I even think about um, in the book of Numbers... I believe it's Numbers chapter 14, 14 and 15, but with with Caleb and and Joshua, how they came and they said, look, we can overtake this land. These people are bred for us. We can overtake it. But the, the same 10 people that went with Caleb and Joshua, they exaggerated because they were scared and they said, well, no, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers. They're like giants over there, so we can't do it. So then guess what they did? Because they were scared, because they assumed that they couldn't take it, then they got everybody else scared. But Joshua and Caleb said, look, man, we're doing this. See, we can't have an unbalanced view. Then here's the the last faulty thinking. A negative focus. The book says, for the example I won't ever be able to ask for what I really want. So because I can't ask for what I really want, I mean, I just feel like it's pointless to even try. So I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing because I don't really want to ask for it. Bible simply says in Matthew chapter seven, you have not because you ask not. Simple verse, but it's a principle that we don't really get. I don't really get sometimes, to be honest. You have not because you don't ask for it, but you just expect it to happen because you're the one that's always right, right? So then when it doesn't happen, you get mad. Well, God said, have you even asked for it? And on top of that, if we really want to get deep, if you've asked for it, have you worked to get it? That's another podcast for another day. Let me stop. That's (laughs) That's another podcast for another day. But we can't have a negative focus on things all the time. Well, I won't ever be able to ask for what I want. You know, I'm reminded of of the persistent widow. The persistent widow kept coming over and over and over again. And because she was so persistent, the judge gave her what she asked for. And God says, look, look at this judge who was evil because of her persistence. He was able to give her something because she was persistent and the judge was evil. How much more? Am I, that is good to you, to his children, James chapter one. If I'm good to my children, then how much more will I give to you if you're persistent with me? We got to get it, man. We got to, we got to change. And I'm talking to myself too, as I'm reading this, bro, today, today, the date, what Friday, Friday, the 26th. I'm changing my mind today. You got to stop having this pessimistic attitude about the future got to stop having absolute thinking. You got to stop exaggerating that everything's always bad. You got to stop having assumptions about things and people. You got to stop trying to mind read things and people. You got to stop having an unbalanced view on things and having a negative focus. So the natural question is okay, how do I how do we combat this? How do we combat this this process? We got to convert it. Just like everything else, just like Luke 22 says, after you're converted, then you can go help your brethren. So, so what do we do? Number one, we got to have a realistic view of the future. A realistic view of the future. So here's here's what the book example says. It might not be easy for me, though. Yeah, I know I can be positive, but I'm not expecting everything to be handed to me. I have prepared well. And I can trust the Lord to help me get through. The thing I've heard about opportunity is when you're prepared, opportunity comes and finds you. So when I think about that, that thought process, so many times... Um, We can find ourselves in situations where we almost, we don't prepare for things, but we, we chase opportunity and we're not prepared for. So we got to make preparation. We got to, you know, even, even with heaven, you know, we hear the phrase all the time. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people you have to have we have to have a realistic view of the future. You know, obviously Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, honestly Joseph could look back on providence, right? But Joseph his mindset was always right. And so he said, "Yeah, you thought." Notice that phrase. "See, you had all these other seven evil things against me. You assumed a lot of things about me as your brother." You mind read about me. You were aggressive with me. You exaggerated with me. Y'all were always pessimistic about me. All y'all were. And I knew it. Here's the thing too. Let me, a side note. Smart people know. They might not say anything. They know what's going on. Even Job. Job told his friends, quote unquote. He said, I know what y'all are trying to do. I might not say it. I might not show my cards. I know. That's what the word of God does. The word of God gives you wisdom. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to show your cards that you know it. Yeah, just, just keep doing your thing. But even Joseph, he said, I knew you thought it evil against me. But God meant it unto good to save many people alive this day. Joseph's view was Always realistic about the future. He knew God was going to take care of him. See, we can read the end of the account. We knew he was going to be in second in command. He didn't know that. But what he did know is God's taking care of me up to this point. Why would he leave? Then number two, what's another way we can convert this? Not only do we have to have a realistic view, we have to have an objective view. Objective. The book mentions this. I can be given an honest challenge from other people so they can help me to get better. A lot of times we kind of run away from the objective view because we don't want, again, so again, what do we say about those original seven? Seven. It's a defense mechanism to make sure you're you're always right and you're always safe. The objective view about things that we get into, somebody's got to sit there and say, hey, bro, you messed up. And guess what? We don't want to hear that. Hey, bro, you was wrong. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to get challenged. So instead of getting challenged, I'll just mind read about you. I'll assume about you. So then I'm always right what I think. So it's easier to do that than to be objective and have and be challenged so I can grow as a person. You see how easy it is to do that? How many of us are, are is that is that us? Is that you? It's so easy, man. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's so dumb how easy it is to get into that. Maybe you're in that today. I advise that you would get out. Okay? Then number three. Number three, what's another way we can convert? We have to notice the positive. Notice the positive. We have a brother here, one of our elders. And uh, as I'm in the office sometimes, whether by myself or with the secretary or dad, he'll come in and he's an older gentleman. And he's got some health issues. And and obviously, with being younger, um, I have so many physical advantages over him currently and he'll come in sometimes and you know obviously everybody has good days everybody has their bad days but sometimes when you when I come in and maybe it's been a rough week that week right I'll come in and he'll come in and uh, he'll get his stuff and as he's walking out we'll say kind of have a good day or you know have a good week or whatever it is and he'll always stop and he say, it's always a good day. It's always, every day is always a good day. That brother teaches me something every time he does that. As bad as his health is, as many challenges as he has to face, as hard as it is for him to do things that I can do in my sleep right now, he always notices the positive. He always notices the positive. Sometimes that's what we have to do about life sometimes. We got to look at the positives. Look at look at the good things. Look at the opportunities that's in front of us to get better. Look at the opportunity that you have and the resources that you have to get better. And I know it's easy to kind of get into this box where you always just look at everything wrong and just everything is always a complaint. But we got to notice the positive. We have to. Then number four, what's another way we can convert from these faulty thinkings? Be honest about the past. The, uh, the author mentions they have listened in the past, and I can explain how the concerns of the staff are affecting the program. So this kind of takes it in a business perspective, how in the past they, was, they weren't selling well, but now they are selling well. And so for us, you know, I'm reminded of Peter, right? In 2 Peter, where he talks about add to your faith, uh, virtue, knowledge, temperance, self-control, all these things, right? He mentions to add to our faith. Peter knew all the things that he had done to let Christ down. Sometimes it's hard to see ourselves in a negative light. It's easy for us to sit down across the table and look at somebody else and and look at their faults. And 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 sit there and listen to them tell their faults to us, but sometimes it's hard for you to say your faults. Sometimes we gotta um, look back at where we could have done better, where we could have been better, uh, where we could have improved, and just just improve. You know, just improve. I and mean, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone. He's he's actually gonna be on the podcast on on uh, on Monday with Sam. And if you if you're not if you haven't looked at it, be I'm so excited for Monday's podcast. So please tune in for Monday with Sam. It's going to be so good. But um, when we think about that, I was talking to him about Peter. And imagine how powerful that sermon would have been in Second Peter. Someone who had no self-control. Someone who lacked faith. Someone who lacked, you know, love towards his own brethren. But through the patience of God, The patience of Christ, of helping him to build his faith. Imagine Peter preaching a sermon saying, look, I looked at, I looked at Jesus. I looked at that man. I looked at God and I told him I wouldn't let him down. And I let him down like I didn't know, like I didn't know the man. Imagine him saying, look, have faith, have some virtue, have some temperance, have some self-control, Right? Then here's the last one. How can we convert these faulty mindsets? Have a can-do approach. A can-do approach. With with things in life sometimes, and again, I find myself in this too, but this is, like I said today, it's time to get out of that. Sometimes... um, before we get into anything we we already expect it to fail we might not say it right we might not show signs of it but in our own minds we're we're kind of waiting for the bomb to go off for for the for things just to to, to blow up right but sometimes we can't come into things expecting it to fail Even if I'm afraid of failing, even if I'm afraid of, of, uh, you know, letting this job, letting this person down, maybe that's natural to be afraid to let something or someone that you care about down. I understand that, but we can't have this attitude where, well, I can't do it. Well, I just, there's no way I can do it. We gotta, we gotta switch our mindset to have a, a can do approach. I can do this. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Is it going to be the, the funnest road? Most likely not. Is it going to be a an easy road? Most likely not. But I can do it. I can do it. Is it going to be tough? Absolutely. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. But I can do it still. I know I can. I know I can do it. You know, we have to have this attitude that we can do this. You know, I once heard a preacher. He talked about this can-do mindset. And he said, um, you know, the thing about this is, you know, we we want you to be here. He made it so personal. We want you to be here. We want you to grow. We want you to be a part of what the Lord's doing here we want you to be a part of us but he also mentioned this but as bad as we want you here and he he was extremely personal and he said as bad as I want you here he said if you don't want to be here he said we will pray for you we will ask the Lord to help We will supplicate on your behalf. But we're not going to stop because you don't want to be on this train. If you don't want to be here, we're going to keep going. But we want you here. So let's, we might as well all just get on together. Sometimes we got to, we got to remind ourselves Look, man, we can do this. We can do this. And being a part of a team, you know, and I played sports too. If you have one person that doesn't believe that we can do it, why are you here? Why are you here? If you don't even believe that we can win, if you don't believe that the work that we're putting in is going to pay off, if you don't believe that the practice that we're putting in is going to pay why are you here? when whenever we try to meet a goal for anything there can't be one sided belief and i don't care how strong the one side is there can't be one sided belief both sides have to believe we can do this we're going to we're going to we're going to win this championship we're going to make this work we're going to we're going to grow this kind of, we're going to do this we gotta change our thinking, guys. We can have a can do mindset. We can have a can do mindset, guys. Here's as as we close, here's here's the last thing the author mentions about this. He says, remember, faulty thinking is the first stage in developing unhealthy and negative feelings that drive behavior and give you results that you don't want. Faulty thinking is often a rehearsal for for failure. Sound thinking produces an entirely different set of feelings and emotions that enables us to be at our best. This is a rehearsal for success. Guys, I want to succeed. And anybody that is around me, I want them to succeed. But again, we all got to believe that we can do this. We got to get out of this negative thinking. Man, I'm sorry. Look, I had to do this, guys. I mean, I'm just sitting here chilling. You know, looking at this stuff, I'm just like, man, somebody else got to hear this. Somebody else got to hear this, right? Man, I just hope that you guys want to get better. There's nothing. And I'm just going to be real. When you think about as you grow older, I don't know how old you are if you're listening to this podcast, but um, as you grow older, you're going to start finding out that it's going to be. It's very attractive when you find yourself working hard to get to get better and other people are doing the same thing. So you, you, you want to be able to always show yourself. No matter what stage of life that you're in, you always want to show that you're getting better, not for other people, not for one person. I'm trying to get better for me. Actually, scratch that. I'm trying to get better for God, but then number two, I'm trying to get better for me. Right? People want to get on with this process? Cool. If you don't, I'm going to get better regardless. Anybody that knows me, I'm not trying to say that in a condescending or a mean tone, but look, man, like the more the merrier, that's great. But if you don't want to get better, I'm still going to get better and I'll put in the work. And I want you guys to be able to put in that work, man. Even if it's just you, put in the work. It's going to pay off. Do we know when? No. But one day, and I love, that's why I love Genesis 50. Because one day, I want to be able to look back providentially. And maybe not say the same thing as, as Joseph did. But kind of a rendition of that. Maybe you meant it for evil for me to do what you did. Maybe you meant it for evil for this to happen or that to happen or for me to be here or for me to be there. But regardless of the situation, God used everything. He used all of it up to this point to fulfill his purpose and his glory to not only help me, but maybe even to help you who may have thought evil against me. I want to be able to say that. But until that point, I got to keep working. I got to keep having this positive attitude. I can't let other things and and all those, the people that do those negative emotions, I can't let that control me. You can't let that control you. We got to keep being positive. We got to keep being positive. Man, I... Uh, All right, I'm done, but that was, I mean, it's just a great study, man, great study, and we're like 44 minutes in, and I didn't expect to go 44 minutes, but that's what happens kind of when you study, and I just, I love this, man, it's amazing, it's amazing, so I'm always glad to have you guys here to study with me, to help me get better, so I can help you get better, let's just keep growing, man, let's keep growing, Um, uh, let's keep improving, and let's keep being, and working our best to be the people that God wants us to be. Thanks, guys.